Hi, this is Dan Corver, uh, pastor here at Dalton Hill Baptist Church. <clears throat> we're a small Baptist church located in Owasso, Oklahoma. We're small enough to know you, but we're big enough to serve you and for you to serve as well. Our vision is to rescue, restore, and return to service. Rescue a non-believer or a believer who has been hurt or is lost. Restoring them to Christ in fellowship with other believers with the desire that they in turn will help others along their way. When I was growing up, of course, that was when you had... Uh very conservative church you were that was before they would allow a lot of different instruments we had a Sunday nights we had a, a man by the name of Scrappy Munion that would come and he had a limp and he brought his drums and he would play softly in the background and of course some people didn't like it but I loved it as a teenager and uh, Stuart Hammond was one of the songs that he really enjoyed uh, playing his stuff so very familiar with him. Uh, it's just neat. Uh, I think a lot of the what happens too. You shall most of the hymns that you see that I've been writing about. It was during a time in which the church was transitioning from strictly psalms. The traditional church said you can't sing anything but actual psalms. All the psalms, every one in the Bible, is put to music. And so a lot of them were in the, doing the evangelism, doing different things. So we need to have something for the audience kind of uh, to help them. And so that's how the, uh, a lot of the hymns started at these different revivals and different things taking place. In fact, you have the same type of thing that happened in the late 60s when you have the Jesus Revolution and the Jesus music. And the same thing is starting to happen even today. But uh, anyway, it's, uh, it's pretty neat when you see what the Lord can do in a person's life. We were starting, if you remember, we last week we started a little series on the uh, signs of life. And if you remember, I talked to about the little dog that I hit upside the head of the baseball bat. Kind of, uh, uh, but one of the signs, if you remember, we talked about you know, when you have a, a, a total change in a person's life, one will be their aptitude and the fact that they recognize God's ways are not their ways. In fact, I was talking with them earlier, and they said, you know, you really don't uh, understand God's ways, and Job didn't either. And he finally had to reside that, you know, God, you're in charge, and I really don't know what you're doing, but I accept that. But one is our aptitude will show us. Another one we talked about is our attitude. We talked about that in the, if you remember in Philippians 2 and verse 14, do some things without grumbling and complaining, right? Is that what it says? He uses the word all. You know, how many of you like it when he says all? You know, would you wish he just said some? Because then you could distinguish which ones to do. Had our attitude, and we also had our actions. You remember, we talked about some of the actions that we can have. As you know, in uh, in the book of James, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. Uh, we can content, consider it joy because of what it produces, not the trial itself, but what it produces. Uh, to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. We saw that in, in 117. I'm talking about our tongue. We need to have it through providing food and clothing for people in need. Uh, controlling our tongue. Don't speak against one another. So many different things we can have in our actions. And so that's kind of what we looked last week was our, our aptitude, our attitude, and then our actions. Today I'd like to talk a little bit more about uh, turning on the light and keeping it connected. Turning on the light and keeping connected. Last week I was talking to a friend of mine, and he was talking about, he was, I had my quiet time in the morning, and everything going well, and I'm, you know, 
connected with the Lord, and then I get on the traffic and get in traffic and whatever. Lose Okay? Why is it that we have trouble when we're having our quiet time, everything seems to be connected, and then when we go and get in traffic or whatever it might be, work or whatever it might be, we become disconnected. So I think what it is, we stop and think about it, we can actually address that. And I'll give you an analogy and then we'll see if it doesn't pan out. Some of you, how many remember when we first, when computers first came out, it was before I really got involved with it too much, but how many remember the dial-up? Okay, what happens with dial-up? It takes forever. It takes forever, and you were only connected when it went through. What happens when you go to broadband? How, how long or how often are you connected? All the time. I think that's what happens so often with our quiet time. We have dial-up, we're connected, we get disconnected, and then what happens? The things happen and we're not connected. How many of you can see up here with this here? Now what happens if I take that plug and go into the outlet above it? It won't work. But should it work? But only one of the outlets works. Only one of the outlets work. There, notice I think that's with a lot of us too. There, the electricity is there. But the plug can be messed up. You can go the same thing to the light switch. The electricity is there. This light switch is working. At the, at the house, after 20 years, one switch went out, then another, then all three ended up going out at the barn. Gene's thinking, we're going to have to call an electrician. I said, no, I'm, you know, change out all three switches. What happens? They're all working. One of the outlets had gone out. Change out an outlet. <coughs> Everything's working. So what happens is, I think for us, is we have to then, first of all, think about having broadband or being direct wired and not just simply going by way of the switch. So first of all, you have to turn on the light. If you think about it in Isaiah, you don't have to turn to these. I'll quote these, and then you can look at them. In Isaiah 9, if you remember in verse 2, it says, The people walk in darkness, but they'll see a great light. Obviously speaking about who? You had the same thing, and uh, so it was predicted, it was personified in John 8, verse 12, when Jesus said, I am the light of what? The world. He who follows me will walk in light and not walk in darkness. And Jesus was the light. That's the reason why in chapter 9, Jesus then healed the blind man. He says, I'm the light of the world, now he heals the blind man to prove it. You have in John 1, in verse 8, if you remember, it says, In him was light, and the light was the light of man. And so Jesus is the light. He came, He provided light. He also provides a path. In John 14, 6, it says what? I am the way, the uh, truth and life. No man comes to the Father except by me. So He was projected to be the light. He is the light. And then therefore we're purchased. So when you and I come to know Jesus Christ, following through that He is the only way, we've then been purchased. And if you think about it in 1 Corinthians 6, 20, you've been bought with a price, therefore what? glorify God in your body. So let's look at it where we left off last week a little bit, and then we'll move on. Look over in Ephesians, if you would, in chapter 5, in verse 8. I want you to think about what you have here. Talking about the purchased part of it, and turning on the light. Ephesians 5, in verse 8, 
writing to believers, it said, For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You've been purchased. You're now light. And we need to walk that way. But the only way we walk that way is if we're connected to the light, the source of it. Otherwise, we won't make it. Look over, if you would, then, oh, we looked at this last week also. Just turn a few pages to the right, Philippians chapter 2, and what we're supposed to prove. We looked at this in chapter 2 of Philippians in verse 15. It says, Prove yourselves to be blameless, innocent, children of God, above reproach, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. I think we would all agree with that, right? Then notice what it says. Notice, among whom you appear as lights to the world. Prove yourself as lights. The word there for lights is interesting. It's actually where we get a word star from. You and I are supposed to prove to be stars. When do stars shine? Are stars shining right now? Why don't you see them? You see stars primarily at night because it's dark. And we just said the world is dark. So how many of us need to be seeing the stars? So you think about it, we have to turn on the light and come to know Christ, but then is are we directly connected to Him in order for that light to shine? And so I think the first one, would you agree we live in a dark world? And what does a dark world need? Light. Okay, it needs light, so the question is, am I shining? Where am I shining? And when am I shining? If you're like me, I have some, you have the same thing, the lights that are outside here, they come on, we have them on a timer, I changed the timer this week, uh, because we don't need them coming on at 6.30, because why? It's not dark. Okay, do we need them at 10 o'clock at night? Is there anybody here? We have them out here, so we really don't want to have the lights on all the time, paying for all the lights, so I turn them on just for the time basically from 7.30 to 9.30 or 10, and they go off. I have the same thing in my house. I have lights come on, but I don't really want need somebody walking up my walkway at midnight lighting their way. I really, you know. <laughs> you know, but as Christians, how many of us need that light on all the time? So I want us to think about this. Uh, we need to turn the light on and we get through Christ, but leaving the light on would be the second thing. In fact, how many of you remember the commercial on Motel 6? What does it say? We'll leave the light on for you. How many of us are doing that as Christians? I went to work this past week thinking about what I knew I was going to be speaking on, working on it. And it was when we had the storms. It was raining. And I get to work when it's still dark and so on. How well do you think I could see the, the moon? The moon gets its light from what? The sun. It reflects the sun. But because of the storm, I can't see the moon. Okay, what about you and I? How many of you can see the light of my house in Broken Arrow? Why not? So you need a light where? You need one at your house. You need one in Collinsville. You need one in Ramona. You need one everywhere. Everyone needs their light lit for the people they're around, and they're going to need that 
especially when there are storms and everything else, on what to do. But the only way that's going to work is if I have the light switch turned on so they can see the light to know where to come. So let's think about that. If we, The dangers of dial-up or a switch or an outlet, because if you're like me, how many of you think of all the things you should have done afterward? When you get the thing turned on, let's think about some different things. Let me give you some. If you just have dial-up or whatever, it's not turned on, you're going to miss divine appointments. You stop and think about it. Proverbs 16, 9 says, The mind of man plans his way, but God does what? Directs his paths. So if I don't have it turned on, I am not going to get that divine appointment that he has set for me because I'm only looking through it in my own eyes. I miss out on divine appointment. Another one, you stop and you, you think about it, which, by the way, an example of that would be in Acts chapter 8. If you remember with Philip and God's Spirit speaking to Philip, it says, I want you to go to the desert road, the road going to Gaza. Humanly speaking, if you were a Philip, why go to a desert road? How many people are you going to find on a desert road? You find in Acts 8, he's ministering to a lot of people in a city. Humanly speaking, is it better to be in a city speaking with a lot of people or go to a desert road where you're probably going to see how many? But with dial-up, you'll miss it. Direct communication, the Holy Spirit said it, and he immediately gets up and he goes. And he gets the divine appointment with the Ethiopian union. Second one, what about divine directions? Any of us miss divine directions? What about in Acts chapter 9? Ananias, I want you to go to Straight Street and I want you to meet a man who's praying right now by the name of Paul of Saul of Tarsus. Wouldn't that need to be a direct direction? Because he's coming to your city for what reason? To persecute and imprison you. If I have dial-up, there's no way I'm going to hear that or obey. I need a direct communication to where I'm going to be obedient. So you have direct appointment, divine appointments, you have divine direction. What about divine communication? Any of you miss out on those divine communications? What about in 1 Samuel chapter 3? You remember when it said in verse 1 of chapter 3, the Lord had, wasn't speaking very often. And then it says, Samuel, remember Samuel gets up and goes to Eli. I didn't call you. Second time, you want me. I didn't call you. Third time in verse 9, and obviously it's interesting because Eli recognizes what's going on. And what is he telling him? Speak, Lord, thy servant. Listen to me. Now, how of us do that? Speak, Lord, thy servant is listening. How many of us are doing the talking and asking who to listen? On divine communications, I have to be quiet and I have to be listening to what the Lord is saying. And I think it's important, the divine communications. Same thing happened in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10. You remember it says when John says that he was in the Spirit on what? The Lord's day. The Lord's day. How many of us are in the Spirit on the Lord's Day right now? 
Are we listening to what he may be saying? We have to be connected or we're not going to get it. A third one we can often miss on the danger of dial-up would be divine opportunities. Any of you ever miss some divine opportunities? How many of you have have got some divine opportunities you took advantage of and some others you missed? If you remember in Acts chapter 13 and verse 2, while they were praying and so on and fasting, it said, set apart for me what? Paul and Barnabas for the work that I have for them. Okay, how many of us when we get together are listening for the direct divine opportunities that the Lord may be speaking? We usually have a lot of reasons why we go. But what about some divine opportunities that we might have? And so I want us to think about that setting apart. So when you think about it, the dangers of dial-up or switches or plug-ins, obviously it's quite obvious. We're going to miss appointments, miss directions, miscommunication, and miss opportunities. How many of us have missed different ones? I can think of two. Well, coming up to church over the years, obviously living where I did, on one of them I was coming up and it was on uh, 169 just before Admiral. There was a lady that was uh, in a dress trying to change her tire. Uh, so I pulled over. Well, this was not the attire to change the tire. Okay, but I got out and changed tire. You know, I did get greasy, and I don't, know if, I don't remember if anybody noticed when I got here or not. That one is you get a late, you get here late, you do have. But it's interesting when I was talking to her, changing the tire. She was going to meet her mom for church, and she hadn't been in church apparently in a long, long time. How important was it for that tire to get changed so she could get church where she needed to be and hadn't been in a long time? But could I very easily have just gone on, you know, well, Lord be with her, send her somebody, you know. Okay, another one, when the weather was the very worst possible, in fact, uh, it wasn't bad up here, but where I lived, it was absolutely horrendous. I left my house, going down, and just in front of me was the neighbor, and this is just long after I started here, 20 years ago or more anyway, our street is a half a mile long. He lives at the end, and it goes downhill. Well, apparently, he was traveling too fast, and it's wintertime, and what do you think happened? He slides, goes all the way across the road, goes up over the curb, goes down into the, into the ditch. And, uh, you know, I'm creeping down the road, and we should have called off church, but anyway, it wasn't bad here, so I know why we did So I see he and his wife, they were uh, Jehovah Witness, they were going to church didn't know it at the time, but anyway, they were coming up out of the, of the ditch. What should I do? Help them. Well, being a person who likes to be on time and doing everything, I, stay, I told them, I said, well, if, you know, go on, uh, if you go up the street, Gene, you know, there's two doors up, you know, live there, Gene's getting ready, she'll give you a ride up to the, back up to your house. And I left and came up here. Wrong move. You have opportunities either way. And you can justify whatever you want. But one I did what the Lord wanted me to do. And one is, like, what would have happened if I turned around and drove up? Who cares if I'm 15 minutes late? And I think it's important we can miss divine opportunities 
because of our agenda that we set up. And I think sometimes we miss it. So what about the benefits of a direct line, broadband? What happens when we do that? What about our attitude? Direct. I can do all things through what? Christ who strengthens me. How many times do we say no because we're trying to do it in our own? And Joshua, you think about it in chapter 1, you think about it when he was taken over. It's amazing when Joshua was taken over for Moses. Now how many of you would like to have that job? Has anyone walked face to face with the Lord as Moses has? You mean you're taking over, replacing someone, that there's no way you can do the job. But notice he says, as I was with Moses, so I will what? Be with you. Three times he says, take courage in the, in the first nine verses. He also said, follow exactly what's in the book and then you'll have success. Now, isn't that true for you and I? Is the Lord with us? Does the Lord ever ask you to do something He won't give you the strength for? Okay? But could you have not been able to do it yesterday? And how many of us tried to do it? Moses tried to lead the children of Israel 40 years earlier. How well did it work? It wasn't God's time, and it wasn't God's place, and it wasn't God's way. But when it is God's way, He will give you the ability to do it. So I think one is the direct will have will be our our attitude. James chapter one gives us another one. Look over in James for a minute. What about the James one? Verse 17. How many times do we ever really think about this? James 1 and verse 17. Every good thing bestowed and every good gift is from every. Isn't that what it says? Now, how many of us, if we're directly in tune with the Lord, recognize every good thing? How many times have we ever said, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time? Any of us ever use that statement? Or you hear of other people that always get good deals, and why is it I never get a good deal, and they always get a good deal? We always have, if we're directly connected with the Lord, why can't we rejoice when they have something good happen to them? I think it's interesting when directly connected, it affects our gratitude. Be thankful for the gift that God gave them. Be thankful for the gift that you're given. What happens when we're like, John in, in uh, or Peter rather in John 21 when he wants to know well, what about John and what does Jesus say don't worry about John you follow me we get our eyes so much on other people and other things but one benefit like you said is attitude another benefit is that of gratitude since you're in James just turn over a little bit to a third one look over in 1 Peter chapter 3 This is tough. First Peter chapter three, and we'll start up in verse eight, and then we'll go to verse nine, which is what we're looking. At. It says to sum up, let all be harmless, sympathetic, brotherly, kindly, kind-hearted, humble in spirit, 
Notice 9. Not returning evil for evil, insult for insult, but give a blessing. For you are called for this very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Beatitudes. You're on 169, or I'm on the Brokener Expressway, and people are cutting in front of you and doing all this stuff. And how about a returning blessing? Oh, you want in? Sure, come on in. Oh, you want to? Sure, come on in. Isn't that what we're told to do? I think it's interesting when the Lord is really having control, it's like, okay. And it's amazing. What I also found this week, uh, the guy at work is quite a bit younger than what I am, 25, 28 years old, younger than I am. Anyway, so I was telling him, he was talking about Jesus' revolution, telling him to go see it, and I told him about a lot of the music. Obviously, it was all came out before he, he was ever born. So I started telling me about some of the different groups that came out in the 60s and 70s, Christian groups. And so he was interested in about hearing some of the early Christian groups that came out. So I told him, I'll give you one a week. I'll give you a group a week just to look up on the internet and hear some of the songs. So this week, I pulled him up and I had him playing in, this, in, the, uh, in my shop or in the, you know, through my phone. Uh, I am learning a little bit on how to do Google and actually getting to hear some of this stuff. I'm improving. I'm improving. I'm getting direct connection, right? And it's amazing the different attitudes you can have when you have those kind of things that are freshly on your mind on a regular basis. What's nice about it, I don't have all the commercials. Instead of, you know, usually you get one song and then you have a commercial, five of them, and then you get one song and you have five. This way you can just listen but again, what is it that can help us? That leads us to then have when they, the insult or whatever it is. And it helps too what happens when you leave a little early. I'm, I'm on the, the Broken Expressway. I rarely pass anybody. And I have everybody cutting in front of me. And it's kind of like, but it's fine. You know? I'm, I'm not going to, you know. And when you drive vehicles like I do, and I was thinking about it last night. The earliest vehicle that I have that I drive is 20 years old. I mean, that's old. Well, I don't have the pep in my vehicles that a lot of them do. And they more than, they love to show that off. <laughs> we leave an intersection, and everybody flies around me. I'm thinking, well, I'll pass you up the gas station. But anyway. <laughs> uh, well, think about the direct. You know, what is my attitude like? Do I have a gratitude? You know? What about beatitude? Am I giving blessing for insult? I guarantee you, that's what they, you know, uh, Paul saw in Silas so much different in Acts 16. You stop and think about it too, because Paul had a direct line. Remember he told them in Acts, so was it 27, when he talks about the shipwreck? I told you don't leave. But I have prayed, and if you'll do what I tell you, which by the way, there's three of them on that ship, three believers. Three out of 287. Not very good odds. One in a hundred. By the time it was over, all 287 were doing exactly what God told them to do. Why? Because Paul had a direct line and told them what to do. You notice they were going to kill them. You remember? Because if you get to port and you don't have them, it's going to be your life. That takes tremendous faith for them to say I believe 
Paul in the middle of this typhoon that every person on this ship is going to make land safely and all of them are going to be rescued and we're going to be able to turn them all over to Caesar. How many of us would believe that? Or how many of us would believe it enough to say it? The believer had to say it and they had to believe it. But think about it. What about latitude? Psalms 139, if you remember in verse 7 down to verse 10, can we ever get out of the presence of the Holy Spirit? Wherever we go, He is there. So if I have a direct line with the Lord anywhere I go, throughout my day, no matter how bad it is, who's with me? So if I have a direct line with Him anywhere and I keep connected, He can help me through any situation. You have the, uh, you stop and you think about it, is all Scripture inspired by God? Second Peter, it says the Holy Spirit wrote by moving men as they wrote it. If that's the case, then anywhere I am, the Holy Spirit's in me, and if I'm studying the Word of God, He can bring it to my mind. How many of you has the Lord brought a Scripture to your mind that you hadn't even thought about, but because you had read it and had done something with it, He brought it to your attention. The Holy Spirit can do that. You know, if we think about it, I think it's interesting when we do that, the, the latitude of helping other people, but then also you have just the aptitude that you have too. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they what? They follow me in John 10, in verse 27. If that's the case, is the Lord speaking? A direct line. He's speaking all the time. Where's the problem? We've got it disconnected and we don't hear him. Or we have some other noise going on that we can't hear him. So you think about it. How many of us have this dialogue? The switch. When I want to talk to the Lord or I want him talking to me, I do what? I dial it up and I call him. Help! Thank you. And I go back about my business. And how many of us have that direct line all the time? And I can make my request to Him and He can give directions to me and it's always available and always here. So think about it. Why do I need a direct dial-up? Personally, one is of the dangers. I won't miss those divine appointments, those divine opportunities. I'll have the benefits. I'll show gratitude. I'll have a proper attitude. I'll see other people. But also, I think, ministerially, we already talked about the lighthouse. How many of us need to be a lighthouse where we are? You can't see the lighthouse at my house, no matter how bright it is, unless you got close to my house. But in Matthew chapter 5, it's interesting, Matthew 5, 14, you are a light, right? On a hill, but we are told not to do what? Put a cover on it. And then let your light so shine before men that they may what? See your light and glorify the Father who is in heaven. So I want to think about, let me give you a couple of illustrations to see if you think about this. This is uh, written by a, a missionary. He was a missionary in Africa. Her name is Jerry, G-E-R-R-I. And she ministered among a group of people, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing it right, L-O-Z-I, Zoe, tribe, whatever. And 
the king was coming, the Zoe king was coming to the village where she was at and asked to come to her house. She didn't know at the time, but it was very rare for the king to come to a home, especially a foreigner's home. And while he's in the, at her home, she didn't know it wasn't proper protocol, but she asked the king, would you give me a Zoe name? Because they cannot pronounce R's in their language. R's are like L's. So what are they calling me? Instead of Jerry, they're calling me Jelly. <laughs> so everywhere she goes, Miss Jelly, Jelly, you know, come over. Well, she didn't realize it was inappropriate for her to ask that protocol. But the king smiled and said, I'll think about it. He and his wife apparently talked, talking about the king and his wife. Before he left, he said, I have a name for you. Lashihi, <clears throat> which means light. What a compliment. And he said, I give you that name because I want you to be a light in the western hemisphere or province of our tribe. How many of you want a name? Don't we have a name of light? And are we lighting the place up? Another illustration you can think about Napoleon. If you remember just before I made you battle, it's reported that Napoleon was going around visiting his troops. And he comes up to a young soldier, and the soldier is weeping, crying, shaking. And he says to him, young man, what's your name? He said, my name is Napoleon. Napoleon Bonaparte turned to him and said, son, change your ways or change your name. And how, what about you and I? If we are a believer, are we a light to the world as we're supposed to be? Totally hooked up, direct dial, and we're hooked up, we're listening, and we hear two-way communication. So think about it this week, whenever you're on 169, or in my case, the Broken Air Expressway, or you get to work and a lot of things go on, that direct dial, I need it, how about you? Or direct communication. We'd love for you to come and visit with us and fellowship with us. We're located at 8263 North Owasso Expressway, which is on the east side of Highway 169 North, between 76th and 86th Street North. We have coffee and fellowship from 8.30 to 9 Sundays, followed by Sunday school for all ages from 9 to 9.45, and our Sunday morning worship service is from 10 to 11. We likewise have a Wednesday night service for all ages from 7 to 8. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times, and in every way the Lord be with you all the time.